Uh, so we're in Mark chapter 8, and we're going to consider this morning the miracle that we read about that occurred in Bethsaida, and it's in verses 22 uh, to 26, and this is the miracle of the healing of a blind man, and a few weeks ago we considered at the end of chapter 7 uh, a miracle where a deaf and a mute man was healed. And these two miracles are only found in Mark's gospel. And I find that quite interesting. And there is something here uh, that is relevant, not just to those uh, who are not Christians, uh, because uh, these miracles of Jesus Christ are signs of what it is to be saved. So just as the deaf and the mute man uh, was healed, we are spiritually deaf and mute by nature. And we are also blind spiritually to the things of God. Uh, so this miracle, which we're going to consider, is a beautiful picture uh, of what it means uh, to see spiritually for the first time. So there is that. But also... I think this is uh, very relevant to us who are believers because I read a few verses earlier where, where Jesus Christ was saying to his disciples, don't you still not see? Don't you still not get it? And it's as if this miracle is a picture of the disciples uh, because here's a man who was given sight but he didn't quite see clearly, did he? He saw men as trees walking. And then it's the second touch of Jesus that gives him clarity. Isn't that a picture of the disciples and maybe of us who are Christians? So let's look at this miracle. And as a good Welsh preacher, I've got three things to say about it. And my first point, uh, it was noted in the last miracle that we considered that we mustn't put God in a box. Uh, one saviour, but many ways to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only way to God, but there are different ways of coming to Jesus Christ. And if we're spiritually blind, we're taking that as a metaphor of not being a Christian, one spirit gives us spiritual sights. One spirit working, but that spirit works in different ways. Uh, Jesus compared the spirit to the wind, and uh, you can uh, see the effects of the wind in different ways. So we mustn't say that if a person is to be saved, he must be saved in one particular way. Uh, I think it's important the way this blind man came to Jesus Christ they brought his friends brought a blind man to him and begged Jesus to touch him now isn't that significant they'd heard about Jesus touching other people and being saved but now they think ah if Jesus Christ heals our friend in this particular way by touching him then it's going to be all right and Jesus, as it were, uh, takes this man out 
of the crowd and says, I'm going to heal him in my own way, not in the way you think he should be healed. Uh, can I give you this example? Um, before I was converted, I said it before, but it needs to be repeated. I heard so many testimonies. That is a person describing how they became a Christian. And the problem was this. A lot of the testimonies were about a spectacular conversion experience, what we called a Damascus Road experience, like Saul of Tarsus had. And these people would say, oh, I had this feeling come through me, like electricity. That's how they put it, uh, of the love of Jesus Christ. And the problem was this then. I was seeking for a similar experience. And I think we can put God in a box then and say, like these friends who were bringing their blind friend to Jesus, oh, Lord, please uh, deal with me in this particular way. And Jesus is saying, no, you must trust me. Can you do that? My children's talk. Trust him to save you in his way. I know not. Didn't we sing? How this saving faith to me he did in parts. Or how believing in his word wrought peace within my... I know not. How many people here have had a gradual experience? Not a Damascus Road experience. You can't say at particularly what point in time you were saved. But you know, don't you? I was blind, but now I see. I know not how the Spirit moves, convincing men of sin, revealing Jesus through his word, creating faith in him. My friends, the need is for us to come to Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter whether we come to him through conviction of sin, uh, whether we come, as it were, uh, by uh, the terrors of the law, or whether we are wooed by his love, what matters is that we are trusting in Jesus Christ. You know, a blind person, um, I'm trying to put myself now into the shoes of a blind person. You can describe to a blind person what's around, and they may know about those things. So you may describe the sun, you may describe the forests and the hills, but they haven't experienced those things. And it's a bit like that with spiritual blindness. I can stand in this pulpit. I remember being in the congregation before I was saved and hearing preachers talk about some of the things I'm mentioning this morning, talking about God, talking about the soul, the spirit part of us, talking about God's son, Jesus Christ, becoming a man, talking about his death on the cross, uh, dying for our sakes, talking about his resurrection, and I had a head knowledge about that, just as a blind man may know about all those things you're describing. But you won't know them until you see. That's what we need. C can I ask you, do, do you see? It doesn't matter how that came about. Uh, I'm tickled by the account of uh, Willie Still. He was a pastor up in Aberdeen. And he was interviewing uh, two young boys uh, and asking them, uh, how 
did you become Christians? They wanted to be baptised. And he wanted to know, how were you converted? And these were two teenage boys. You know what teenagers are like. They don't want to reveal their feelings. So one of them mumbled. He didn't say the right things. He didn't use the cliches. But all he said was, well, it happened something like this. A few months ago, your preaching started to get interesting. (laughs) He saw. He saw. What do you think of the soul? Is that the most important thing for you this morning? What do you make of Jesus Christ, God becoming a man? And what do you make especially of him dying for your sin on the cross? Can you say, oh, pastor, I see, I don't see clearly, but I see that it was for me that he suffered. It doesn't matter if you can't tell me when you saw if you see. Uh, one of my favourite uh, books is the Chronicles of Narnia. You must all read them. Aslan, the lion, is like a picture of Jesus Christ. And often Aslan would tell people, people would want to know about others. Oh, I want to know about their experience. And Aslan would say to them, I'm telling you your story. I'm telling you your story. Uh, didn't Peter who was the eyewitness to Mark in this gospel, didn't Peter once say to Jesus, what about him, pointing to John? And Jesus said to Peter, what is that to you? You follow me. I'm telling you your story. You can't put God in a box. That's the first point. Secondly, let's look at how Jesus deals with this particular case. We're not saying this is exactly how it must happen to you, but it's interesting to see uh, Jesus' personal dealings with this man. Uh, This amazes me. Verse 23, if you've got a Bible, he took the blind man by the hand. Isn't that wonderful? He took him by the hand. Do you know, these disciples who were so stupid, so tough, as we say in Wales, that they just didn't see clearly Jesus didn't lose his temper with them. He wants as if it were to take them by the hand and show them greater things about himself. Uh, Oh, I had a terrible experience learning to drive. Uh, I had a man as a driving instructor who didn't have much patience with me. And we were driving uh, to this place, which was quite far away, to practice for the test, because that's where I would take the test. And one day, as we were driving back, it was about 15 miles, he just had enough of me. <laughs> I couldn't do the, you know, the reversing. I just couldn't do that. And so he said, that's it. I had to stop the car halfway. And I had to walk back home, about six miles. He, he'd lost his temper with me. You know, Jesus isn't like that with us. He took this man by the hand, what tender hands, and takes him to a place where he has a one-to-one with the Saviour, where he touches him. That's what he wanted to do with these disciples. That's what he wants to do with you and me. That touch of Jesus, 
Uh, he took the blind man by the hand. He was blind, but he could feel Jesus' hand, couldn't he? Oh, do you know what it means to have a one-to-one -one with Jesus Christ? You can be in a meeting like this, and Jesus can take you by the hand. You know what I'm talking about? You feel as if the sermon is just for you. Uh, I've heard of people being invited to evangelistic uh, missions, and they've got angry with their friends afterwards they've said to their friends if i would have known that you told the preacher everything about my life i wouldn't have come but the poor preacher didn't know a thing it's the savior speaking through the preacher that's what we need my friends not for me to do the speaking but for me to be the vessel through which jesus speaks to us takes us by the hand I find it significant that it's the friends of this man that brought him to Jesus Christ. How many of you here this morning have been converted through your friends? It happened to me. I didn't go to a meeting where I first heard the gospel preach of my own accord. I was invited by my roommates. In those days, you see, when I was in university, we had to share rooms. And... My roommate was doing a course, and on this course, uh, he met a Christian. And uh, this Christian wanted to invite his new friend, who was my roommate, to the Christian Union meeting. And this person said, ah, I've got a roommate, that was me. Can I invite him as well? Because I was a bit lonely. He took pity on me. And I found myself in the Christian Union meeting and I heard this gospel for the first time and I was saved. I wouldn't have been there unless <laughs> that roommate who wasn't a Christian <laughs> had invited me to accompany him. I don't think he saved, but I was saved. I know not how God's wondrous grace moves. And then Jesus does something which we struggle to understand. He took him by the hand and he spat on his eyes. How uncouth. How did Jesus do that? Did he spit on his own hands and then touch this man's eyes? Or did he actually spit directly into his eyes? We, we don't want to think about it, do we? <laughs> Uh, in some cultures, spitting is all right, but in our culture, it's, it's disgusting, isn't it? A chavi. My friends, isn't this the key? That it's through despicable means, not despicable means, despicable means that God saves us. The Jews who were listening to Jesus and seeing him work, they were offended by how he eventually wrought salvation. They hated the fact that the Messiah was to die on a cross, but it's through that despicable, disgusting means that salvation has come to us. Do you know what happened on the cross? Here is Jesus touching, as it were, an imperfect person. Uh, a blind person would have been uh, a blemished person in the Old Testament. 
and he's spitting at him, touching him in that way. What happened on the cross? Oh, we're prophesied about the cross in Isaiah, and we're told that he gave his uh, back uh, to uh, the smiters. Uh, he uh, turned his cheeks to those who plucked out the hair. His beautiful face was spat upon. Why? Because he became sin for you and for me so that we could be forgiven. Wonderful. And somebody quoted in the prayer meeting on Wednesday and it really spoke to me. Verses I know so well, but sometimes verses you're familiar with come out uh, and speak to you. It's a hymn bearing shame. It was a shameful thing for a man to hang on the cross. Jesus Christ hung there naked. Think about that. God's son, the creator and sustainer of the universe, naked, being mocked, scoffing, rude. The religious leaders were making fun of him. Why? In my place, condemned he stood. Hallelujah. Sealed my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah. What a saviour. Have you seen it? Has Jesus taken you, as it were, by the hand and shown you his death on the cross? There's no other way. You must humble yourself and accept the offence of the cross. It's an offence to say that our sin is so ugly that nothing less than God's own Son suffering in that way makes atonement. All we have to do is accept it. You know, I can't take it in. <laughs> that all faith is, is accepting this free gift of salvation. Hallelujah. Only Christianity's got that word. And then my third point, and maybe this is the thrust of this miracle. Jesus asks him if he sees anything, and he gives the most strange of answers. Verse 24, he says, I see men like trees walking. What an odd thing to say. Now, what's happening here? Well, let me say right at the outset, he does see. He was blind, but now he sees. And maybe there is somebody here this morning who is like that. You are saved. You can say, I see. I don't see clearly, but I can see enough of Jesus Christ to put my trust in him. Praise God if that's you this morning. We mustn't be too hard on this man when he saw men as trees walking. You know, the new birth, the moment when the Spirit comes into us, that is sudden. But we don't know when that happened. Even if you've got a sudden conversion, you don't know when you were born again. That is something uh, that happens uh, in a mysterious way, just as we don't know when our conception occurred. Uh, we, weren't, we were there, but we weren't consciously there. All we can remember is coming into this world. My first memory was riding a toy tractor in Llandidno Junction 
uh, but that was probably a couple of years after uh, I was born. And we don't know, do we, when we were born again, but we know when there's life. And sometimes that light, that spiritual light, just comes gradually to us. Um, think of, um, were you up at the crack of dawn this morning? I wasn't. But what comes first? Um, day, spring, when there's no sun, but there's a little light. That's the first thing. And then the dawn, then the sun proper start rising. And then you have to wait many hours before the sun reaches its zenith, the midday sun. And you know, it can be like that spiritually. We see enough to be saved, but we're still a bit hazy. Uh, if a person is being rescued, they don't need to understand the mechanics of the rescue. All they need to see is that person is rescuing me and I'm trusting in them. So don't be too hard on yourself. Can I ask again, what's the cross to you this morning? What's Jesus as the friend of sinners? Do you say in your heart, even not, not loud, hallelujah, I'm so glad that he's come to save me. I'm so relieved that he's done everything. I don't understand more than that, but I see enough to rest in him. But then there's something about men as trees walking. Can I just open this up a bit and try and uh, show you? Isn't he mixing things up here? Men looking like trees? That's a serious mix-up, isn't it? Now, he's not seeing an ant, uh, those creatures in Middle-earth, in Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, where you had tree people walking. He's not seeing that. He says, I'm seeing human beings as trees. He's mixing things up. Now, if you're hazy in your view of Jesus Christ, you're saved, you will mix doctrines up. You'll mix truths up. Uh, let me give you an example. It took me a few years after being saved to understand fully justification by faith only. What do I mean by that? Ah, I was mixing my feelings, my feelings of trust and love to Jesus with his finished work on the cross. It took me a few years to see clearly that my salvation is complete in Jesus Christ. Even if I don't feel I'm saved because of what he did. I was mixing them up, you see. Men as trees walking. Have you seen how tall an average tree is? It's a bit taller than a man, isn't it? <laughs> and when people are hazy in their views of things spiritually, certain truths are exaggerated. <laughs> Oh, how many of us can look back with blushing to certain hobby horses that we used to ride on uh, after we were saved. Uh, I remember one person, uh, he was making a big thing of water baptism. That's all he was going on about. I would say to him, I'm saved. But he would say, ah, yes, but are you baptized? As if that was as important as believing in Jesus Christ. He was making it to be more important than the word of God was. And oh, some of us made uh, Bible translations to be 
so exaggerated in importance. Uh, if a person was saved, that was good. If they were converted to the authorized version, that was just as good. We were seeing men as trees walking. And then, isn't it weird? Men as trees? What, is it, isn't that wacky? Oh, people with hazy views have wacky views. I remember being advised, oh, I wanted to experience more of the spirits. And this well-meaning Christian came to me and said, well, it's very easy. All you've got to do is breathe. Breathe in the spirit. How strange. I tried it and nothing happened. Quite rightly so. Wasn't that a wacky view? A well-meaning person coming to another well-meaning believer, me, who had a hazy view of things. Uh, I read about one wacky view. Uh, I think this now has uh, completely uh, been uh, uh, kind of done away with. But Christians were claiming the promise in one of the Psalms, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. They were claiming you can have gold fillings if you want. Just pray that promise. How strange. How strange. Well, what gives this person clearer sight? The same thing that gave him the first sight. Jesus touching him. He put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up. Oh, isn't that what we all need? Uh, if you're a new believer, if you've got a hazy view of the truth, even if you're trusting in Jesus Christ, you need him to touch you. Go to him, my friend. Be honest with him. Say to him, oh, Lord, I can't see things as clearly as I should. Oh, Lord, please open my eyes more and more. And may we all do that. None of us have perfect vision spiritually. It says here that this man saw everyone clearly that actually means he saw from afar and it's 2020 vision that he was given now none of us will have 2020 vision spiritually until we get to heaven but oh we need clearer sights don't we and i find it quite important that jesus says to him look up uh, he asked him if he saw anything. And what was the first thing that he saw? I think the first thing that he saw looking up was the beautiful face of Jesus Christ, the one that had healed him. Isn't that what we need more and more of? We don't need more about church governments. We don't need more about Bible translations. We certainly don't need more about gold fillings. What we need more of is more about Jesus. Oh, what did the Greeks ask uh, the disciples, sir, we would see Jesus Christ. Oh, we don't just want a hazy view of him. We want to see him clearly, don't you? We don't want to have him and other things. We want to have him alone. Don't you want your Christianity this morning to be simpler, to come to the bare bones, as it were, and that is Jesus Christ. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his beautiful face.
That's all we want. In the end, we don't want to see one another, do we? I'm glad that we can meet up like this, but we don't want to concentrate on one another. We certainly don't want to concentrate within, at our hearts. We just want a fresh view of Jesus Christ. And you know, one day, when we leave this world, do you know what this world is? It's Shadowlands. Really, that's all it is. If we're in Jesus Christ, we will get to a place where we will see clearly. Don't you want that? Where we'll see him without any interruptions, without any haze. Oh, one day we will be with him. Are you going to be there? Am I going to be there? There's only one way, Jesus Christ. I am the way. No one comes to the Father but by me. But thank God, he doesn't save us as robots. He saves each one individually. A personal Jesus. And come to him. Whatever way, just come to him and believe in him. And then you'll be able to say, I was blind, but now I see amazing grace. And I want to see more, more about Jesus, for his namesake. Amen.